0: Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of MA Architects Make It Innovative, featuring deep-dive discussions on the world of innovation as it relates to the built environment.
1: Like this episode, throughout the series, we will be interviewing influential innovators that are shifting the way things are done, introducing new ideas and energy to our evolving city in a way that elevates human experiences and enriches lives.
0: These leaders are being proactive and progressive in navigating success set up by innovative design, and we're here to share their stories with you. I'm Mark Bryan. I'm a certified futurist and leader of the research and innovation team for MA Architects. My passion is to find the underlying signals and drivers of change that influence how we promote innovation in the built environments of the future.
1: And I'm Sam Dickerson, the senior manager of strategic communication for MA Architects. My passion lies in behavioral psychology. I love to understand the motivation behind why people do what they do and how to get them to do what you want. And I plan to share all of those studies on the topic with you throughout the series.
0: For those of you tuning in to us today, we're going to be talking about what's happening in Columbus, both in the urban development and then what's happening within your home spaces and how design is being changed through the pandemic and what we see happening in the future.
1: From Columbus and beyond, the world is changing around us and we're here to tell you how.
0: On this episode, we are going to focus on urban development, both pre and post COVID-19. Real estate changes and what is here to stay in residential amenities by speaking with Tristan Navarra from Columbus Business First which is a leading source for business news, data, and networking for the Central Ohio area. Tristan covers commercial and residential real estate, economic development, energy, and finance for Columbus Business First.
1: Also joining us is MA Architects Principal and Director of our multifamily residential studio, John Eyman.
0: John is the lead for all things multifamily in our Columbus office, most recently working on projects such as Arlington Gateway, the Five on Fifth, the Deco, and the Manchester in Grandview Yard.
1: Hello, Tristan and John. Welcome to Make It Innovative.
0: Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Yes, welcome. We're so glad to have you on our show today. To kick things off, Tristan, could you give us the one-minute elevator pitch of who you are and what you do in your own words?
2: For sure, yeah. So I am uh, the real estate and development reporter for Business First. That's uh, that's the largest beat that I cover there at the paper. Um, everything being built in town, basically, bought or sold, all of the real estate stuff is me. So... Um, you know we're always looking at the kind of transactional angle of things. So things that are in development, things that are being planned, um, we look at the design side pretty pretty significantly as far as what's being built. Great!
0: I'm excited to hear what you have to say for our show today. Yeah. So John, to you, can you give us your one minute elevator pitch of what it is that you do with uh, MA Architects?
3: Well, uh, my role here over the last 35 years has changed drastically, and uh, started out as drafts person, quite honestly. And uh, for the last 20 years, I've served as a partner within the company, and more recently, over the last six to eight years, taken over the responsibilities here of uh, advancing the multifamily industry
1: such an interesting area of development too. And I know Tristan and John, you both have so much to speak to on that topic. It's interesting as a lot of things are changing in Columbus. Definitely one thing that's not is residential. So I'm really excited to get into that. But first, Tristan, we want to get to know you on a more personal level. So we have three questions we'd like to ask you just to get some insight on to you and how you work. Sound good? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. What are you most excited about these days?
2: These well these days I'm most excited about leaving my house to be honest with you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we've been working from home for about three months, so I uh, the robots look like they're taking over my living room. I've got like four screens right now, you know, and just got my whole little newsroom set up there, which is nice. Um, but but you know journalism is a people business, so. Um, Looking forward to kind of you know picking up again a little bit more. Oh,
1: yes extrovert to extrovert you are definitely a people person so I yeah, can see that yeah. for sure. what is the skill still unmastered?
2: Unmastered for me well um, I am uh, I, I started playing guitar when I was in high school and then uh, quit for a few years basically since then cool. and I kind of wanted to pick it up again.
1: That is awesome. Good time.
2: Yeah, Oh, yeah. that time. Yeah,
1: I love it. All right, last question. <laughs> Best way to decompress?
2: Uh, running, definitely. I uh, yeah, I've I did my first marathon last year, the Columbus Marathon, and probably gonna plan to do another one at some point here. Um, it's definitely a nice way to get outside and not breathe on people. So
1: yeah, oh, I love that. So so healthy. All right, John. We know your passion for architecture, but we want to let our listeners in on a bit more about who you are. Here are your questions. If you had a spontaneous day off, what is the first thing you'd do?
3: Well, it kind of depends on what day that is. If it's a Friday or a Monday, I'm going to be heading out of town. Okay, cool. (laughs) Take a short little trip somewhere. Uh, If it was during the week, I'd probably be catching up on things that need to be done that are on that list that you got to check off every once in a while.
1: familiar with that (laughs) aren't we all right and what is the best thing that's happened to you this year
3: well this year obviously has been a tough year and I think both personally and professionally I, I think what this has caused is the is the reaction to refocus and I think both personally we're all going through a major issue and we've had to readjust and refocus things on our own lives and same thing within the business you know our client relationships have changed our work ethics have changed and and how we actually do work so at the same time that gives one the opportunity to think back and say okay this is different now and how can we improve on that because of these impacts
1: wow i love that reaction to refocus that's really good all right for you too. best way to decompress
3: uh i would say biking and or walking love
1: it everyone <laughs> Sw- likes to swimming be outdoors. as needed. oh yeah,
3: yeah. it's just that uh, mental activity that lets your brain flow
1: oh i love it mm-hmm. moving meditation i'm a firm mm-hmm. believer
0: Thanks, guys, for sharing that. And Tristan, I'm probably gonna hit you up for some running tips later because I I just hit nine miles the other weekend, so I'm I'm getting there. Just but not keep going. That's that's the plan. Be Number stubborn. One tip.
2: That's yeah. the plan. That's that's how it started. I got stubborn. I started running, and I was like, oh, "I kind of want to stop," and then I just kept
0: doing it. And then pretty soon, I was doing it for 26 miles. So. I can't
2: even
1: imagine. I can't imagine that either. <laughs> that's
0: a that's a conversation for later. <laughs> As we've talked about in our previous shows, our world is at a great inflection point in history right now. The last one being really in the 1900s when we had the invention of cars that took us to new modalities of transporting people, goods, and services.
1: And census reports show Columbus is growing by 50 people a day, up to the 14th largest city in the United States, one of the fourth fastest growing cities in the country. There was a 15% increase in population in the last decade alone.
0: So our first question to you, Tristan, I'm just curious, what trends were you seeing in the development of Columbus pre-COVID, and what are the heavy themes that you're seeing afterwards?
2: Well, definitely uh, the growth is there. I mean, it's there. I think we were tracking about 300 developments at any one time that were happening in Columbus. We have our our map crane watch, and and I'll tell you, every time one comes down, another one took its place. Um, Everywhere, they're seeing a major development. A lot of it is kind of the mixed-use stuff, so... Now it seems like a lot of those mixed-use projects are being paused, um, not stopped, but but people are kind of taking a moment to re-examine how the pandemic is going to impact things. Um, some sectors are are moving ahead. You know, residential doesn't really seem to be that affected, but commercial construction has really stopped while people are wondering um, what the long-term effects of pandemic are going to be.
1: Do you have any indications as to far as themes that you're seeing or trends that you would anticipate, what those things would be, what those shifts might become? Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, I think there's the thought that people are not going to use as much office space. There, People are kind of stopping to wonder, okay, well, it turns out we're all working from home now. And it seems like people are still working. So do we need to have an office? And, you know, I think, I think there's an answer for that. But But a lot of the um, talk about just like large kind of places where a lot of people gather and that sort of thing, um, people are having to reexamine that.
1: I think it's so interesting and and what that will then mean for residential, because if you're Mm -hmm. using that home hub, your home sanctuary, I know we're going to talk about it a lot more. And this is the point of the conversation, what that could look like, what it means for expansion plans for that.
0: I agree. I'll be curious to see what the data shows us of how many people are still coming to the city given this time or if they're still uh, doing that kind of migration. I think it's interesting to note, you know, from a historical standpoint, me as a futurist, I always like to look back, to look forward. And, you know, major cities have typically shown exponential growth rates post-pandemics. What's interesting right now is that a recent report actually stated that 39% of urban dwellers said that the COVID-19 crisis has prompted them to consider leaving for a less crowded place, more of a suburb. And globally, we're seeing this migratory um, contradiction where some regions are urbanizing at a rapid rate. Others are experiencing a return to rural areas, largely driven driven by technological advancements and flexible work. So basically what we're saying is that migratory patterns are reshaping our lives on every level. Um, and so all of that being said, how do you see suburbs really evolving going forward?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's an interesting question. I mean, you look at the 1918 pandemic and, um, you know, the population of New York City emptied out. Um, a little bit for a few years, but then when it rebounded, it rebounded stronger than it was before. Um, I think I think the the adage I've heard a lot is that that a lot of the uh, trends that we were already seeing are just being accelerated. I don't know that that the pandemic is creating new trends at least. Well, Columbus is is poised to benefit from it because, you know we already had that trend of being the cheaper city. Um, I think a lot of our suburbs are poised to grow. Um, I think that's one of the reasons that you're seeing a lot of the residential construction is continuing unabated. In fact, it's, it's increasing this year, while um, the commercial construction, I mean, we looked at the numbers last week, it's down about 30% in central Ohio this year.
1: I think technology is interesting, too, because to your point, everyone working from home, you can be in a suburb and still working for your you know, major corporation that might be yeah. headquartered in Columbus, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think that gives us a lot of opportunity for what that means for our physical footprint and then also what that means for residential spaces.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think people are really reexamining the office environment. You know, Nationwide is the big recent one to announce that they're switching more of their people to work from home. They anticipate thousands more eventually will be working from home full time. A uh, number of other companies have been seriously
0: considering it around the country. It's definitely going to be interesting. Um, I am curious. So, if you know, uh, we saw um, Bridge Park, which is really, mm-hmm. you know, a part of Dublin, uh, really create this own urban environment, basically taking pieces of downtown into almost like a suburban area. Yeah. With this um, idea, I've heard a term called uh, liquid territory, which is really about mm-hmm. that where we have rural, urban, um, downtown areas that are much more blended together. Yeah. Do you see any trends happening or, or things that you could see suburbs taking from downtown to put into create more of that like urban area like a bridge park?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, we're seeing that trend all over Columbus, the kind of the recreation of the urban center. Um, I think... A lot of the suburbs are are seeing some major redevelopment proposal that's that's focused around creating a new urban center. There, you know, Hilliard has Alton Place, Grove City has Beulah Park. Um, now we're looking at you know Grandview Crossing. We're looking at you know Marble Cliff Quarry. Um, all of these projects have the same goal, which is to recreate that sense of urbanism. There's there's always going to be a downtown because I mean you just you can't you can't replicate some of that grittiness, some of that just history, some of that feeling of being in downtown, but people want to gather. I think how people will gather is kind of up in the air right now, but that people want to gather is not gonna change after the pandemic.
1: I think that's so interesting, the value of human connection. I'm obviously Mm -hmm. really interested in behavioral psychology, and I think we've all shared conversations both on air and off about working from home works, but it's not the same as being Mm -hmm. in a physical space with someone. And so that could be applicable to work, that could be applicable to dining, to watching a movie. You know, Netflix, the house parties are fun to watch on your phone together, but it's not the same as actually sharing that experience with somebody. So I do think it's a case for this inflection point in history and in time, where the built environment will respond in creative ways, Mm -hmm. but at no point be obsolete. Really interesting and exciting to see what comes next. So, mm-hmm. on that note, let's move more inward to the built environment. What are you both hearing about in common conversations as far as pivots to building designs, building plans? And um, what ways have you found most creative innovations in development for these shifting strategies?
2: Sure, yeah. Um, you know, we've heard a lot about how the new office is going to be designed. I mean, obviously, in the short term, the social distancing kind of thing. Is is focusing um, some some kind of changes, but you know, in the long term, do we need to have a cube farm the way that we used to? Um, there's kind of two schools of thought. The one is definitely you know looking at work more as like a clubhouse. You know, you work from home, you can work from home two or three days a week and come in, and it's more of a shared space where you're um, work. You know, you're interacting with people, and there are work amenities and things there that you don't um, that you don't have at home. On the other hand. Um, I think like, 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 you were saying, Sam, a lot of the extroverts, um, we appreciate the, the being around other people. There are a lot of interactions that go into a work dynamic that aren't happening right now. You can't, um, you know, walk by your coworker's office and say, Hey, how are you doing this morning? You know, those interactions, you know, that's where you learn a lot about like, okay, how this person, how this person's mood is, or like what their career objectives are. Even you can't have those conversations with your boss. Um, so those kinds of things just take working in the same area together, and now those, those interactions are almost artificial, and Absolutely, that, that's a problem.
1: John, how are you seeing design plans change or strategies shift in response to this unexpected life post-pandemic?
3: Yeah, it's, it's hard to say exactly what we're seeing just yet because people are still trying to figure it out. You know, there's no doubt that every part of our, our life uh, is going to change in terms of how we shop. How we uh, interact with uh, retailers, uh, restaurants, all of those kind of social things are changing. So people are adapting as we go right now. The office environment as well. I mean, I think it's going to be a year before we really understand what the true demands are. And demand is uh, one of the things that I always look at. And in, in Columbus in general, I, I feel that's a common denominator in every sector because of the growth that you meant to, mentioned earlier. There's always a demand for more. Yes. Right, but the things that are going to be a little bit more controlled are those things like retail and social and so on. Uh, And um, I guess when you think about the residential side, you know that demand isn't stopping. Right, there's always a a need for more housing. Columbus has made it known for years; they're well short of what is uh, thought to be required. So um, the trend in in housing has changed over the years, and and the and the demand has really kind of caused this amenity package, both in suburban and in uh, infill type projects to be more than what they were in the past you know when you think about the units themselves the units really haven't changed much the insides have changed you know the aesthetics have changed the quality has changed uh, but it's really the interaction in those social spaces Interesting. yeah and I think that this that's going to be one of the things that's going to be a little bit suspect here because I think this w- that we're going through um, you know with the social distancing is going to uh, affect to some degree the social spaces within these new built environments.
0: Yeah, we're definitely uh, reexamining how we connect as humans, right? You mm-hmm. know, we used to be able to have a handshake and that's not going to be happening anymore. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to see from a workplace and from a residential standpoint, how social gatherings actually occur. So I think maybe if we pivot a little bit more toward exactly uh, residential and that multifamily residential modality, John, the next question is for you. As we move toward 2022 is what we're calling the dawn of the connected decade. We've seen the accelerated trend of the home hub, and from the COVID experience, we're now incorporating new ways of living and working at speed. What does this really mean from a, a residential unit standpoint um, and the actual design of the space?
3: Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good question. You know, I, I think the the first thing that comes to mind is flex space, you know, um, you know, because as people are working at home more, their spaces have to become more adaptable, right? And And you have to then kind of think about things differently if you're talking about a new build versus uh, an an adaptive reuse of an older building because those spaces are just inherently different. You know, if you had a high bay warehouse space that you're converting into warehouse, you can actually use the vertical part of that high bay space to make your space more adaptable to have different uses on the ground. You know, uh, it's interesting that even from, uh, you know, the typical apartment type place, you know, being able to convert your spaces – So that they better adapt to your current work, life, home, work environment, I think is becoming kind of critical.
0: Do you think um, modularity plays into any of that as we're going to be moving forward?
3: Yeah. I mean, What what do you mean by modularity? You mean internally or as a built environment?
0: Well, I think uh, I was thinking more of an internal standpoint. Mm
3: -hmm. Well, I think that's where that flexibility comes in, because if you have something that's modular, you can move it, right? And so whether it's you move it sideways, move it into a corner, or move it vertically in a high bay type environment, it's better utilization of the space you have to you.
1: Really, really interesting. I think on this same point, you know, 86% of millennials are saying that they're willing to pay a fifth more for a smart apartment. So especially as people are coming home to these home sanctuaries, home hubs, whatever we want to call it. People are willing to pay more because now we're home more than we've ever been before. And it is now our office. It's now our fitness studio. It's now our entertainment, you know, dining restaurant, all of the things at once. So it's really interesting. Um, 41% of renters are willing to pay $50 more a month for an apartment with a balcony. And I know, John, you guys design a lot with Juliet balconies. And there are some interesting flexibilities with things like that just to bring nature inside with this newfound appreciation for nature that a lot of us had lost a connection with before. So we know that the number one driver of purchasing and decision-making is based on emotions Um, and becoming more tied to what we're calling the home hub during these emotional times. There's this concept right now, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, called emotional contagion. And it's this idea that you take on the emotions of others that are around you, and it's being transmitted rapidly because of the digital age. So it's the concept that a meme that somebody puts up could create global laughter, whereas something about you know COVID numbers rising could create global panic. So it's this idea of emotional contagion really taking over, and the home hub is a huge part of that. So people are seeing the idea of self-care, and even if that means now putting bathtubs back into residential units or having a fitness studio that can fit into a modular corner of the space. I'm really interested to see what you guys think. What are other amenities that you have heard people that are really trending, that are becoming more and more popular, that developers could incorporate, And know that people would pay more to have
3: well um, the mixed use has been one of those catalysts you know because uh, when you have the especially when you're looking at an infill project which inherently always has some level of ground floor commercial retail restaurant type space so so those kind of things have been uh, the generator for the last several years in terms of creating a different environment because that is that work live type of thing and Yeah, you can run downstairs and get a Starbucks iced tea anytime you want, Sam. (laughs)
1: Currently drinking.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Which is great, and people love that, you know, and so it's those kind of things. But now, you know, we're starting to have to look at some other things within the building, which goes to that amenity package, right? And, you know, the hard part, especially with the infill projects, is you have no land. So it is gets to the units, which uh, one of the bigger trends, you know, that I love seeing is more daylight, you know. Developers Mm -hmm. are putting more glass in units which is a positive thing, you know, the, the rooftop features, you know, that becomes the ground floor in terms of having an outdoor space where people can go and gather or read a book or just hang out, whatever. So it's, um it's always changing, you know, and I think the change, especially in Columbus has been, has been the fact that the city has an intentionally incentivized people to create a more dense environment with living spaces and over the, you know, and that goes back to, you know, Mayor Coleman, you know, is initiative to really build the in- infrastructure, which is great. And the, you see what we're getting out of it. We're getting great products, we're getting uh, opportunity, and we're, we're getting options, you know, in terms of where you want to live, and just not what type, but neighborhoods as well.
1: Really interesting. Mm-hmm. Tristan, what do you think, knowing as many mixed-use projects as you do, and the landscape of Columbus as well as you do?
2: Yeah, it's definitely, it's all in the common areas. Um, I think there's there's kind of the race to make the best common area. Um you know, you see a lot of the kind of uh, Vegas-style pools and that kind of thing coming up. But more than that, I mean, the the clubhouse used to be kind of an afterthought when it came to how people kind of gathered, and now people want to get to know their neighbors there. And, you know, they're going to be working there sometimes. Uh, they, you know, those kinds of spontaneous interactions that happen with people, um, you know, those... It, it feels much more like people are using the common spaces and they want to meet each other in the common spaces. So what have you got there? Have you got um, a place that's that's conducive to co working and also socializing? You know, are you having programming like you're having events and that sort of thing? A lot of the communities that are being built specifically for empty nesters um, have a whole set of programming in place for their common areas. It's not just a place that you rent out on the weekends. It's a place that has a set of social events that you know about. And you get to know your neighbors that way. People specifically go places that have that.
1: So interesting.
0: Yeah, I think what's interesting to me, um, one thing that we do at MA Architects is trying to make sure that we have the right story and the right experience that goes in those community spaces. I'm just curious, do you see that storytelling playing out um, beyond just the amenity packages, like, like crafting and creating a message that really draws and builds a community? Uh,
2: yeah. I mean, I think I think a lot of the developments, especially the ones that are in historic buildings, um, there's there's a history to that land. There's a history to that building. A lot of the times, and and uh, the developers are really embracing that. We want to be in an environment that feels like it's got some depth to it. That that it used to be something else. You look at the Wonder Bread um, facility. You know, it's it it used to be, it didn't used to be a place where people live. And now you go there, and it's got these little things that remind you of that it's there. You know, we our office is in um, it's in an old uh, paint factory, and you have these little bottles of paint along the walls. It's safe, I hope. I hope. <laughs> um, but, you know, you like you, with, with the trend towards um, historic redevelopment of every building we can kind of salvage, people want
0: that kind of history. Makes complete sense. So let's move beyond the amenities just a little bit, and let's talk about personal living spaces. According to Moment Feed's June 2020 survey, 93% of U.S. consumers have changed their daily routines due to COVID-19, with millennials and Gen Zers experiencing the most significant shift. We at MA have actually been developing what we consider the residential unit of the future, and John touched on a little bit of it, but we really think it's going to revolve around flexibility of space, functionality, connection to others, and technology. So, Tristan, in your thoughts, what are people really wanting differently in life post- post-pandemic in their living space?
2: Yeah, I mean the, the question of of where they live is is what's important. You know, it seems like if you are the type of person that wants to be in a place that's near lots of other people and near things you can walk to. You're only going to want that more now that it seems like you're going to be at home more. Um, I think, as he said, flexibility is is definitely an important part of it. If you're going to have your home office there, you don't want to be like me and have your half of your couch surrounded by robots. Um, you know, things like that
0: are going to make a big difference. Agreed. We, uh, we're actually on a webinar where they're talking about people who actually have a home office feel more productive, um, whether that's perception or actuality. To them, it just uh, made more sense, which makes sense because you have a dedicated space that yeah. you can actually go to.
1: So, John, I'd like to turn it to you. So, knowing all of these things, how will the personal space itself change? I know you've said that over the years, the actual footprint of the you know personal apartment hasn't really changed too much. But do you expect anything to shift or change? Um, daylight, definitely, obviously, being a big thing.
3: Not really, and 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 you know, I've been doing multifamily for probably twenty-five years and the unit sizes really haven't changed much at all and unfortunately they're driven by economics and uh, the real driver on that is what people are willing to pay right because that relates directly into the cost of the project and so on and so forth and that's why there's different levels of housing but um, I, I just I get back to that flexibility side of things you know people's behavior people's habits are changing And I think that's the thing that we have to address as we look forward is how can we make our spaces more flexible? I think we keep coming back to this word uh, because we've all had to change at home. (laughs) You've mentioned it with your computers and robots. You know, I know I've had to. I think we all have had to. So I think that's kind of what it comes down to is, is, you know, creating a space that can be adaptive to the different needs that we're now facing.
1: I think there's definitely a big opportunity for residential designers to create comfort, choice, and control. I know we keep saying at MA the three Cs, and those are the three most important things moving forward so that people feel like they have comfort, choice, and control over their environment, whether that's their personal environment or public space. And I think as people are slowly starting to re-enter, the places that offer those three Cs are the places that are showing themselves to be successful.
0: And so one last question for both of you. Just looking towards the future, because again, I like to look towards the future, what do you all see as signals and drivers of change that uh, could have positive effects on the urban development or even on multifamily residential living even 10 years from now? So, Tristan, let's start with you.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I, think, um, I think a lot of the kind of fundamentals about, about our different spaces aren't really going to change, right? So malls, um, you know, there's, malls aren't dead. Um, you see a lot of the malls responding now by having drive-in theaters again, you know, um, they're still the place that fundamentally people want to gather in a social setting, you know, workplaces, they're not dead. I mean, you, again, you, you want to be with your, um, coworkers and your colleagues and, you know, some of those interactions and that sort of thing. Um, those places will evolve a little bit more and be a little more flexible. I think things will blend a little bit more, um, You know, you don't need to go to your workplace to work. If you can, if you can go to a mall and there's a co-working space there, um, that seems like that's something that a lot of people are planning for. A lot of the co-working spaces are moving towards social areas like that. Um, I think what you'll find is that, that these environments blend a little bit more as far as how they're used.
0: It's interesting. Yeah. It's almost like going back to basics, but then revamping it slightly. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And John, what are your thoughts?
3: I think it gets to back to that social aspect. You know, people are uh, creatures of convenience, and and um, it seems like there's a certain reduction in demographic area that's kind of going to be going on over the years, meaning, you know, right now we are very car oriented in Columbus, but I think that's going to be reduced over time, particularly in the major area of the downtown cores, you know, because there's more walkability. You know, I think the infrastructure is changing. I think um, some of the smaller spaces that can be used for uh, adaptive reuse type spaces, if you look at the corridor on uh, 4th Street, just as an example, you know, I mean, all those little corner places have sat empty for years, but as soon as it's been densified with residential housing, those spaces are now restaurants, pizza places, and places of gathering, and people love to be able to just walk because they don't want to drive at certain points of the day. Which is good. And, you know, and that's all good for the community because that creates the roots, you know, of the community, so to speak. So I, I think there's just a natural evolution that we're going through as our communities become more mature.
1: I love that.
0: Yep. Just a back to basics and reconnecting to social gathering, it sounds like. Well, I think all of that would be amazing. And hopefully we can help each other make that happen. That's our show, and we would like to thank Tristan and John for sharing your innovative insights. These are the innovations that can help our listeners find inspiration in their own lives to be thinking about ways that can create change in the future. We hope to hear more about these innovations in the days, weeks, and months to come. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at ma-architects.com, where we have an entire COVID toolbox up and running that covers the wide variety of sectors we serve. And if you want to continue the conversation, feel free to email me directly at markb at ma-architects.com. Once again, I'm one of your hosts for Make It Innovative, Mark Bryan.
1: And I'm Sam Dickerson. I hope you find the change you want to be and allow innovation to thrive in every way that you live.
0: Thanks again to our guests. Have a great day, everyone, and make it innovative.